Once again, Father, we just want to commit ourselves this morning to you. Father, we want to hear your voice. We've heard so many things. Continue to speak to us and minister to us. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this morning, uh, we've got, uh, this is the last quarter of uh, this year. Yes, 12 months in a year. So, last three months is one-fourth, okay? Last quarter, okay? Quarters and fractions are very difficult to comprehend, I understand. Uh, the other day, uh, Brun called me and he was saying, um, Pastor, I'm getting married. And he said, I said, yeah, of course, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he said, guess the date. You know what's the date? I said, what is it? He says, 11 square. I said, what? It's 11-11-2022. 11 plus 11, 22. I learned math from you. I hate, I used to hate math. Now I'm getting fascinated with numbers. <laughs> I said, praise God. Good. No? So, last, we are in the last quarter of the year. I think it's, uh, if I'm right, there are uh, 83 days left, 84 days approximately. So, so many, the promises still stands, right? This promise still stands. I will restore. I will restore. See, God will restore. If you've been uh, listening to our online telecast through the week, um, David recovered all. But it's remarkable. Bible says, God restored, but David recovered. Restoration is already done, but the recovery is our part. We want God also to recover for us. That doesn't happen. God recovers, sorry, restores, but we need to recover. And we will restore as much as we recover. You, you understand that? If you don't recover all, Jesus said, I mean, God tells uh, David, he says, you shall pursue, you shall surely overtake, and you will recover all. I mean, it's interesting, it's a double superlative in the Hebrew. He says, in pursuing, you will pursue. And in recovering, you will recover. It's remarkable, isn't it? In pursuing, you should pursue. And in recovering, you should recover. I mean, it's remarkable. That's, that is what I thought is important for us to realize. God has given us a promise. But how much of the promise becomes a part of our life depends upon how much we recover. Look at different translations. I mean, just to get a beautiful uh, Rendering or a, a spectrum of thought, if you will. I will repay. <laughs> Remarkable. I will restore. I will repay. And that's what um, the NIV says. The ESV says, I will restore. Um, the NLD says, I will give you back. Remarkable, isn't it? Another translation says, I will compensate <laughs> for you. Right? I will compensate. I will repay. I will restore. I will pay you back so many thoughts over here. I will make it up to you. <laughs> Another translation says, this is the NASB 1995. <laughs> I will make it up to you. So, it's remarkable. This one word, I will restore, has so many renderings. But if you look at the root word, it comes from the Hebrew word salam, from which we get the word shalom, which is peace or completeness. And the fundamental thing that God wants to restore first 
in the process of restoring all the others we have lost, the key on the foundation on which the recovery will happen in our lives or the restoration will happen in our lives is when we are restored back to our right relationship with God. There is no restoration without that. Shalom, peace, completeness. It's remarkable. The Bible says in, uh, to, uh, in Revelation chapter 3 to the, to the church in Sardis, he says, you have a reputation that you are alive, but you are dead. And he says, I have not found your works complete before God. The problem with the pastor in Sardis is that he starts, but he never completes. He starts a process. But he never completes, like, like Jesus said, no, this guy who starts off in this discipleship training program and then halfway down the training program he says, I can't do this and he gives up and he says it's like a half constructed house, incomplete, incomplete and what happens? Everybody makes a mockery of it. How many of you when you go past a house which is half constructed, you say, wow, what a beautiful construction. Do you ever any time say that? You don't, no, nobody says that, right? Oh, I love this beauty. It looks so fantastic. No, you want to, even if it's like a, at least outwardly it should look good for us to even get attracted to it. Right? So, so many people start, but they never finish. I mean, I, I, I know, I know, um, when I was asked sometime back, it was like eight, seven or eight years back when I was in university, um, Oxford University Press came to our college. They wanted profs to write a book for them in a particular subject. So they found out from somebody and they came to me and he said, uh, Sir, we heard about you and we want you to write a book and uh, start off with the process. Now, when I started having the conversation immediately, after a while, my prof enters into the room and he says, uh, What are you asking him to do? Uh, I said, uh, he, I want him to write a book. Vijay, don't get into all this, okay? Research is important, not writing a book. Anyways, uh, I mean, I, I, I really wanted to write, though. <laughs> I, I thought it will be good when somebody from Oxford University Press, you know, comes and gives you this invitation. It's I just wanted to do it. So I had a conference in Delhi, and I, and I went there and just to visit the office, and they invited me. They gave me lunch, etc. It was a nice inv- invitation. And uh, the director of uh, Oxford University Press he was sitting across the table, and he says, Vijay, I've seen something very interesting. He says, so many people start writing, but very few people complete. Very few people. So many people start writing, but very few people. And if you do not have the intention every day in your life, you get up in the morning and you at least think at least an hour for your book, you will never see the end of it. You will never. Completion will not happen. The problem with many of us is that we want God also to recover for us. You see, you will only recover, God has already restored. The problem is, the promised land is before you. There's a land of promises. You, as much as possible, you fought, then Joshua fought and everybody fought. But you know what, Joshua, he indicts the people and he says, there is so much of the land still left to recover. And when the book of Judges starts, he says, you left this part, you left this part, you left this part, you left this part. The Canaanites are still over here, the Perizzites are still over here, the Hittites are still over here. I asked you to eliminate all of them from your system. And you know what has happened? These guys, because you do not complete the task, will become a snare. They'll become thorns in your flesh. This is unfortunate. 
It's a, it's a reality in my own life. See, I'm not, I'm not talking to you uh, from outside of experience. This is essentially what we are. Because so many of us start and we, we do not complete. You know, one of the resolutions that I, I made, um, uh, I always tell myself, if I start something, whatever it is, if first of all, I want to count the, count the cost. But once I have made a commitment, there's no backing off. They come to my, they come to our university. So many people, people want to do a PhD. <laughs> they start <laughs> one year, two years down the line. Tata bye bye. Okay, their partial head damage. Okay, what are you? We want to become doctor of philosophy. What is philosophy? Sophos, wisdom, philio, lover of wisdom. What do you become? Sophomore, half moron. At the end of the day, you st- you do not finish what you have started. That's a problem with many many of us. I mean, we just we, I'm not just not talk, talking about the things people in the world. I'm talking about even in the church, we expect God to complete what He has started. Yes, it's in partnership. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Yes, but it is the Lord who works in you to will and to obey. So what should you do? Work out your salvation, therefore, with fear and trembling. You need to understand this is a principle, fundamental, foundational principle. And then, so therefore, what does God want us to want to restore in our lives? First, the basis and the foundation on which the restoration will happen is the foundation of a restoration in our relationship with God. Shalom, peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind was what? Stayed upon you. First, my covenant of peace I will restore. First, that is what it means. Restoration. And the second part, I will also make you complete. I will also make you complete. And whenever you talk about covenant, this morning we looked at a baby dedication, I was thinking about, you know, the vows that they were making. Husbands, love your wives. I mean, they were literally refreshing their marriage vows with two children now. Okay. See, the covenant of love. See, courtship days are different. But once you are in a marriage, huh, man in UK, right? I, I think it was... Uh, Pastor Eric, who gave, shared this joke with me, so I can safely put it upon him. If you get upset, he told it, okay? So, <laughs> there was this man in UK who was married to his wife for 75 years or something like that. They were married 75 years, and she passed away. And uh, the entire cameras came, and the, the BBC was there, and you know, all these uh, news channels were there, and they asked this question. In all these years of, of your marriage, did you never even want for a single day think about divorce? He said, he said, divorce? Never. Murder? Often. <laughs> divorce? Never. Murder? Often. <laughs> but you know, you need to understand something, no? When you enter into a marriage, it's death. When you have children, <laughs> more death. 
See this, all these mushy mushy love and all that stuff doesn't matter, doesn't work. Okay. We'll hold hands and hand in hand forever and ever. They'll live happily ever after. Who said? In the morning I was talking to my wife, Us din mera dil pagal tha. And she said, Abhi tu hosh mein aagya. <laughs> you see, I, I'm sorry, there's no subtitles. I'll ask Sammy to put the subtitles, okay? Because if I translate it, it'll lose the punch, okay? Make you complete. See, the foundation, therefore, if, therefore, if I have to restore, if God, if I have to recover what God has restored in my life, fundamentally, I have to work in my love towards my God. Because in love, there is labor. There's work that is involved. There's no feelings. It's an act of will. It's an act of commitment. It's an act when you say every day in the morning, I want to pursue. It doesn't matter how you feel, because today you might be feel you might be feeling very nice and high and say all kinds of good things, and tomorrow she might just <laughs> or he might throw a tantrum on you and it's all over, it's all gone, no? So pursue and overtake. You shall surely recover. Okay. So, this is today. You have to recover so many things and therefore what should you recover? What should I recover this morning? I just want to look at first foundation on which what we have to recover this morning. Excuse me, just a minute please. Uh, this is Revelation chapter 2. It says, it's talking to the church in Ephesus. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. And I have not become weary, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Toli Prema. Hmm. Yeah. All young people, whenever you say Toli Prema, everybody sings PK, PK, PK. Who's PK? Pavan Kalyan. Married twice, divorced twice. Toli Prema gone. So again, he says, you have left your first love. See, and therefore, the foundation therefore for restoration is the restoration of your first love. The first thing, that is the foundation. And it's got, it's got some works that is associated with this love. It's got a lot of passion. Not necessarily emotion. Okay. What is passion? When your will is backed up by your emotion. That is passion. There are a lot of emotions. Yes. Anger is a, is a tremendous emotion. But when your will is surrendered to God. And when you surrender your will to God. And you lay down your thoughts to God. What happens? Your emotions back up your will. And that becomes passion. That becomes zeal. That is the reason it's talking about Phineas. It says, Phineas was zealous for God with my zeal. And then, he, and Paul talk, talks about the Jews and he says, you know what? They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. I bear them witness. They have a zeal. They have passion. But you know what? They, I mean, they have emotion, but they don't have pa- real, real passion. It says when Jesus was driving the money changers out of the, te- out of the temple, it says, 
the zeal that the disciples remember this verse the zeal for the God, for the lord's house consumed them so there's passion passion compassion these are fired up verse, words we need to really really come back to the meaning the biblical meaning of words to understand what god wants to communicate into our lives therefore he says you lost your love and therefore what should you do in order for you to come back to me this is what you need to do remember therefore from where you have fallen remember the first love for god remember those days when you had a smile on your face when you when you had the assurance that your sins have been forgiven when you're absolutely excited about going to church People looked at you and they said, you know what, what has happened to you? You didn't even have to say one word. Your very disposition was a witness, was a sakshi, was a testimony. Understand this. Therefore, he says, go back and do the what? The works you did at first. The problem is, what has happened so much of our love has been scattered by the things in this world. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not there. And look at this. Everybody say, for everything. Everybody say, do you believe that? For everything in the world. For everything in the world, yesterday pastor was talking about the knowledge of good and evil. If Satan can't tempt you with evil, he will tempt you with what is good. Hmm. <laughs> Eyes open. <laughs> because they ate from the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. I told you, right? So many people, very few. Because you have to persevere in love. And you have to work toward it. And what has happened? The things of this world come and start eating up your love. And by the time before you know it, it's all in shambles. Your love is gone. Look at what it says in Second Timothy. Four kinds of believers are there. How many kinds? First kind of people, they will resist the truth. They are metal workers. I didn't say that. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord repay him. Who is this fellow? So this is the final, you know, this is the, this is the ex, this is the Tata letter of Apostle Paul. This is what we call as the farewell letter. And when he is passing away into glory, he remembers four kinds of people. <laughs> One kind of people is Alexander the coppersmith, the metal worker. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Why? You also must beware of him for he has what? Resisted our words. These are people who resist the words of God. Even in, even in our church, we have, you know, just because we are uh, listening, it doesn't mean that you're not resisting. <laughs> there could be Alexander Coppersmith writing, right in your mind. What do you do? You resist. There's a satanic spirit which is empowering you to resist all the things. I don't like this. I, I don't agree with this. Ah, no, 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 no. This is too much. This is too tough. Etc. Etc. Look at what it says in Second Timothy chapter three. This word resist. 
This is essentially the work of the work of the devil. Second, Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8. Now as Janus and Jambrins, what did they do? They resisted Moses. What did they do? They resist Moses. So who are these kinds of people? These kinds of people are the people where the word of God falls on what we call as stony ground. And the birds of the air, that is Satan, comes and takes away the word. Why does Satan come and take away the word? Because the way they deal with the word. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 8. In the parable of the sower, an incredible and a very interesting detail is given about the first kind of soil. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 8. Verse 4. And when a great multitude came, etc. Verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some well fell by the wayside and it was what? What what happened to him? Trampled. Who trampled? You trampled first. Then the birds of the air came. Am I right? You see the order? It was trampled down and then who came? The birds of the air came. Remember? Don't throw your pearls before swine and don't give that which is holy to the dogs otherwise what will they do first they will trample it and then they will bite you that is the kind of people acts chapter 13 look at what it says now when they had gone through the island of paphos they found a certain sorcerer a false prophet a jew whose name was bar jesus who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Elimas the sorcerer, for so was his name, is translated, withstood them. You see that? Resisted them. There are resistors. <laughs> if it is not, I'll tell you, it's very interesting, no? You go this morning, you listen to a fired up sermon, you think that you're pumped up, you're fired up, your faith has been, has been all those burning, which, those coals which were, you know, which were about to dwindle off in their fire has been come back, has come back to flames. And then you go out and you discuss your problem with an expert. That's an expert, Elimas the Sorcerer. And what do they do? They bitch that? I'm telling you, my dear brothers, there is only one choice for us. (laughs) Choice B is always unbelief. Either you continuously, that is the reason a blessed is a man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, despises all this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law that he meditate day and night. So what did they do? He resisted the words of Moses and look at how I mean, so look, uh, the words of Paul and look at how uh, Paul responds. He says, Saul, I like that. Who was called? Paul. Kya baat hai? This is the first time when Saul's name changes to Paul. What is mentioned along with it? Ah, I love that. Being filled with the Holy Spirit looked intently at, at him and said, Oh, you full of deceit. Not deceit. All deceit. All fraud, enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert, pervert the straight, uh, straight ways of the Lord? And he <laughs> pronounced something very interesting. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, astonished at the teaching. So I tell you, there are many of us who are like Alexander the coppersmith. We resist the words. We don't want to hear. 
That is the reason why it says in Acts chapter 7, they resisted the Holy Spirit. You who are uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always do what? Resist the Holy Spirit. So the second kind of people, Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 11, get Mark and bring him with me, for he is useful for me in the ministry. Who is this person? You start well. <laughs> but suddenly persecution came in the middle. <laughs> Testing came in. You know what happens in Luke's gospel chapter 8? The ones which fell on the rock are those when they hear, receive the word with joy. But they do not have what? Death. When testing comes, they fall away. Persecution comes. Mark said, sorry sir, I can't be here. Mommy is calling me. Marcos means defense. And then, another kind of guy. The third kind of people. Be diligent to come to me for, who's this? Demas has forsaken me. Alexander the coppersmith. <laughs> Second type is what? Mark kind of people. Third, Demas. Who's Demas? Demas who worked with Paul. But look at what it says about Demas. Having what? Loved this presentation. What has happened to Demas? The love of the father was replaced by the love for this presentation and he for- forsook Paul and left. You know what Demas means? Very interesting word, huh? Demas means governor of the people. In other words, people's opinion matter. That is what Demas means. Who are these people? Now these are the ones who are so who sow them sword among thorns, the cares of this age, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things slowly come back. They're gone. And the fourth kind of people. Who's the fourth kind of people? Anybody knows? The fourth kind? Only? Who's with me? Luke. Lucas. <laughs> you know what Lucas means? The light giver. The witness. Everybody forsook me, but Lucas is there with me. Demas forsook me. Bring back, bring back Mark. He's there. Who's there? Until the end, Lucas was there. Dr. Luke. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? In the entire Bible of 66 books, no Jews, I mean, sorry, no Gentiles, except, how many? One, and who's that? Luke. He wrote two, he wrote two books. See? So I understand this. Only Luke. In other words, he persevered in love till the end. So today's morning, I want to just look at, if the time permitting, there are seven works of love. Seven. What is the goal of our teaching? The purpose of our instruction is that you be filled with what? Love. That comes from a pure heart, sincere faith, and a clear conscience. Doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. What is what only matters is faith being expressed through what? Love. There are seven works of love. If you persevere in these seven, you will restore your relationship with God in love. Okay. I'm going to look at one of my favorite passages in the Bible. This is Gospel according to Luke. 
I told you, right? Only Luke remains. <laughs> and uh, this is Luke's gospel, chapter 7. Verse 36 onwards. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. It doesn't say there was a woman who committed a lot of sins. No. Was it? A woman who was a sinner. Okay, good. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster uh, flask of fragrant oil, she stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and he wiped them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet, anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this. He spoke to himself, said, This man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. But you know the end of the story, right? He who loves much, he is forgiven much. I mean, he who is forgiven much, loves much. And he who forgives little, who has been forgiven little, loves little. This, this entire episode, if you look at the entire episode, this is completely focusing on the love of this woman for Jesus. And this love for God, by the way, is a response to what we have already experienced from God. We love him because he first loved us. And all those who are born of God will love. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7 and 8. So there are seven things she does to express her love. Let me enumerate them this morning for you. First, she says, she knew. Starts with that. Second, she stood. Third, she wept. Fourth, she washed. Fifth, she wiped. Sixth, she kissed. Seventh, she anointed. I love that. <laughs> she knew, she stood, she wept, she washed, she wiped, she kissed, she anointed. That is <laughs> the picture of the person who loves God. An expression of love has got seven ingredients. You can never love a first person without first what? What is that? Knowing. You see, what the word for knowing is very interesting. There are two words in the Greek for knowing. There is gnosis, knowledge. Okay, what is that? Gnosis, that is knowledge. There is another uh, word called epignosis. That is experiential knowledge. What is that? Experiential knowledge. Now, these two are different. I'll give you an example. I'll, I mean, I shared it so many times in the, in the church, but I'll s- s- share it once again. Just Justin and I, we used to, we had courtship days those days. I used to take her to our favorite restaurant, Chinling. Chinling restaurant, Sek- Sangeet. Okay. <clears throat> so whenever we used to go to the restaurant, okay, we used to order noodles and I used to be at the best manners possible. Okay. And uh, fork, spoon, etc. No noise. 
Only conversation. What did I say? Ah, no noise, only conversation. Okay, impressing, impressing days, no? You are impressing one another. We used to spend hours and hours, almost like three, four hours until he, that fellow used to come and ask us to leave. We used, to, we used to have a long distance relationship, right? I mean, so we used to come back and so I was in Kanpur, she was here and then I went somewhere else and you no, know, long distance. So we wanted to spend as much time as possible and uh, then she thought, okay, Vijay, huh, glosses. Huh. What is that? Glosses, because it's outside marriage. We are still knowing each other. Vijay is a fantastic, well-mannered guy, chivalrous, kind. He never has, allows me to spend his, uh, my money, etc., etc., etc. That is Gnosis. Now she got married to me. Now, After she got married to me, she knew about my financial condition. I mean, you know my, our story. You know? we, we had a, quite a bit of debt. <laughs> and uh, she said, this is the debt that you have? Yeah. Now, this is epignosis. What is it? <laughs> the reality has struck. But then we stuck to each other. We went through the process of building our home. Building our finances. Building our commitments. That is what we call as experiential knowledge that only comes when you are in a covenant relationship with God. Glasses. A lot of people have knowledge of God. They do not. So knowledge about God, but they do not have knowledge of God. They know God, but God does not know them. See, there's a difference. She knew. And the word for here is powerful. She knew who God was. The word is epignosico, which essentially is a verb form of, of, the, of the noun epignosis. First, she knew. What did she know? This is what she knew. First, she knew herself. What is she? In that town, in that city, there was a woman who is a sinner. She knew that. No hiding. <laughs> she knew herself. You need to understand, you need to have an honest appraisal of who you are. Self-analysis. Appraisal forms will come now into your company. Huh? Which quadrant do you, do you belong to? <laughs> Everybody will give. Sir, top 5%. Top 2%, top 1%, etc. That is your analysis. I'll tell you something. When you stand in the presence of God, this is what happens to even to a prophet who thought he was the cat's whiskers. You know what he said? What to you? 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 Woes and woes. He was pronouncing woes and woes and woes in Isaiah chapter 5. Then he goes to the temple in the year that when King Uzziah died. Then he sees the Lord. You know what he says? <laughs> Woe to me. I realize something remarkable about myself. I am. <laughs> it's like this, no? I told you, I told you, right? When a genius come, comes into your class, till then you are a class topper. Okay? You are getting 95 out of 100 and your professor is always saying, be like Vijay, be like Vijay, be like Vijay. And then comes the topper of toppers. The Olympiad guy. And then he shows off his skills and the professor is impressed. And what has happened? All your righteousness before him is like filthy rags now. 
He's solving equations in the air. I mean, I'm telling you, this is, you have what we call as a personal quake. <laughs> Earthquake in your heart. Standards already raised. So what did she know? She knew about herself. That is the reason why we have to have an honest appraisal. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, my dear brothers. Do you have an honest appraisal about yourself? Deliverance is for the desperate. DD. And the point here is, she not only had an honest appraisal of herself, she also knew how bankrupt she was. She knew her, what? Debt. Credit. With interest. You know, credit card companies. Take money, take money, take money. You can give personal loan at what interest, Baba? 33.13%. EMI looks very small. But for the rest of your life, you're paying it. That is the reason why in, in, in US and all, it's called mortgage. You know what mortgage means? Mortis gauge, death trap. In other words, till the death, till the day you die, you will still be paying. She knew herself. She knew her incapacity to fulfill the gap between God and man. She knew her debt. She knew her debt. You need to have this very important. You need to understand it is impossible. Look at what it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 7. There was a creditor who had two debtors. One hundred dinari and the other two hundred dinari. And they had what? How much? Nothing. What is their bank balance? Sometimes negative also. HDFC and all, they'll give you negative also. Because you have not been maintaining, uh, what is that, minimum balance. What is that minus 254 rupees? What is minus 254? That means you put money, gone. Everybody has a hand in your pocket, by the way. Hmm? So the, she knew her debt. She knew that the, her incapacity. She's absolutely bankrupt that she cannot fill this gap between God and man. That is, I love that song, no? Years I spent in vanity and pride. Caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing that it was me, for me who died. He died at, in Calvary. Oh, the love, the true salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. Where? At Calvary. The mighty gulf that God did span. She knew her debt. Do you know your debt? Oh, tears of grief cannot repay the debt of love I owe. That is the reason why Paul says, I am a debtor. Oh, oh man, no man, anything except the debt of love. She knew her debt. Psalm 49, verse 7. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom. Why? Because the redemption for their soul is precious and never ceases. That he should still live forever. And not see corruption. And therefore, you know what the Bible says? You were redeemed not by incorruptible things like gold and silver, but by the incorruptible, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That was a penalty that was paid for your sin. Mm -hmm. Do you know your debt? Job chapter 9. So, uh, for he that sees... It's okay, we can skip these verses. She knew her debt. 
Job chapter 9, it says, If I be wicked, why then labor I in vain? If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet you shall plunge me in the ditch and my own clothes shall abhor me. <laughs> I love the snow. It's like the snow. You take a nice shower. Okay. All right. And uh, you got it from the Dobi. You know, the other day we went to a hotel in uh, in Hyderabad for staycation. Okay. Not here. Some, some time back. Not vacation. It is staycation. Okay. Staycation, you know what staycation is, right? I don't want to give you the definitions. I'll give you the definitions later. Staycation. So I had a white shirt and we had to have a, we had a photo shoot. So I had to wear white. It's all crumpled, okay? So I called the laundry and I said, can you just uh, please wash it for me and iron it and give it back. I'm telling you honestly, I've never seen my shirt come out sparkling white like that in my entire life. And then, it was sparkling white in that, you know, in that, uh, in that wardrobe. I hung it there. I took a nice shower and I went to the shirt and I, and I looked, I put my, you know, vest, the white bunion and I compared myself with that shirt and I said, look at this bunion and look at this shirt. And then I felt the shirt telling me, Vijay, you stink. This is after I have a thorough wash. You washed yourself and you washed yourself and you washed yourself and you want Jesus to clothe himself, clothe, clothe you with his righteousness. You know what he says? Oh, sorry, you stink. You stink. All your righteousness, all your effort to cleanse yourself, to deserve the righteousness of God. Even to my own clothes, forget about the righteousness of God. He says, even my own clothes will say, sorry, you stink. <laughs> Because you know, Job was looking at himself, he says, from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet, there's nothing but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. What ointment is there to cleanse me and make me whole? Understand this? It's impossible. So she knew about her self. She knew about her debt. Darn. I love this. Ah, come on. She knew. Everybody read this. Okay. Oh, I love this. She knew God in the man, Jesus. Let me tell you, this is very, very, very significant, particularly to the day and age we are living in. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 2. How many of you can quote from memory? One of our favorite verses, okay? Everybody sees this? Read it, please. Ah, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Now, whenever I used to read it some, some years back, several years back, until recently, actually until re- this year, when I was doing a study by Derek Prince, okay? I was thinking... You know, God hides all his revelations and by hard work and patience and praying and fasting, I will seek and seek and seek and God will reveal himself. Partly true. But let me tell you something. God hides himself, first of all, in his son. In whom? In his son. He was in the world. The world was made by him, but the world did not know him. 
And then what it is, what it, what, what does the next verse say? He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Who's this? God. Sorry. God. She knew. She knew, she knew, she knew. She knew God in the man, Jesus. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible now recently, after I read it in Telugu, you know, sometimes in Telugu Bible you only read, the English Bible starts making sense. Look at what it says in Psalms 34 verse 22. Everybody can read this together. 34, 22. The Lord will rescue his servants. Forget that part. No one who takes refuge in him will be. Bah, what a verse. In other words, you come to Jesus and you say, it doesn't matter what kind of a sinner you are. You say, Lord, I completely abandon myself to your mercy. You will not go back condemned and guilty. That's what the ISV says. The Lord redeems the lives of his servants and none, those who trust in him, will be held guilty. Look at the KJV. KJV is interesting. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants and none of them that trust in him shall be what? The same word which is used in Joel. Three parts of Joel, right? Part one is what? Desolation. Second part is what? Restoration. And third part is what? Destruction. Desolation, destruction, and, I'm sorry, restoration and destruction. Now what has happened? You come to Jesus, (laughs) restoration begins. He will no longer be desolate. You will no longer be held uh, held guilty. It's beautiful in Telugu. Aina sarno jochinavaru, yavaru kuda aparadhuluga enchabadaru. Whoever trusts and takes refuge and asylum in Jesus will never be held guilty for their sins. She knew that. Second, let me tell you the principle. For there is one God and there is what? One mediator between God and man. Who? The man Christ Jesus. She had this revelation. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So what is the application for us? God hides himself in flesh. Remember? Wailed in flesh, the Godhead see. Kya baat hai? <laughs> Did you ever <laughs> listen to those lyrics? Wailed in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man to men with dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hug the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Wailed in flesh, the Godhead see. Do you see? Okay. Jesus is gone. He's in heaven. How do we see now? Second part. God not only hides himself in Jesus, he hid himself in Jesus, of course. Now, you know where he hides himself? He hides himself in his servants. Mm-hmm. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. You will be established. The second part. Believe in his, in his prophets, and you will prosper. Let me tell you something. 
one of the ways your your restoration is connected to the people whom god has appointed you appointed over you as leaders and elders your relationship with them i love what pastor was talking about this woman who comes to elisha your servant my husband why was he serving you because you were a servant of god because he learnt by looking at your life how you submitted yourself to another servant of servant of god for 18 years you washed hands you washed the hands of elijah he saw your life and he followed your testimony as you served elijah this man served you because he saw god in you i'm not saying that we should deify men of god no 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 you have to replace them no 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 i'm not saying that at all but one thing you have to recognize that when they speak it is not man who is speaking it is god who speaks and if you have those questions then you should not be a part of the church where you do not you're not very sure whether he is representing god but you know sometimes i feel very interesting words in the bible it says eli was completely a compromised priest and madam hannah was 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 uh, com- uh, was weeping and wailing in the in the in the presence of the lord and he spoke and he said you know what uh, by this time next year you have, you'll have a child in other words the lord will grant you your request she was she just took it notwithstanding the fact that eli had sons who were compromised she took it okay understand this very important principle i just take this to heart look at what it says in first samuel chapter 8 then all the elders of israel gathered together and came to samuel at rama and said to him look you are old your sons do not walk in your ways now make us king to judge us like all the other nations but the thing displeased samuel when they said give us a king he never got displeased because he said you are old he never got displeased when he said your sons do not walk in your ways he was displeased when he said give us a king that displeased him that is a man of god see man men when genuine men of god they know okay yeah my sons they don't follow my ways i understand that but what about me have i taken your donkey have i defrauded anybody have i arm twisted anybody have i manipulated anybody no look at what it says next verse then the lord said to samuel heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you for they have not rejected you whom did they reject in rejecting you as a prophet whom did they reject they rejected me you see let me tell you something god hides himself in his servants god hides himself his words in a telugu accent if you look at the accent and say what is he talking you will miss the words of god principle don't let us not be like this generation no look at this generation luke's gospel chapter 7 the lord said this is jesus to what then shall i liken the men of this generation and what are they like 
They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another saying, we played the flute to you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not mourn or weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine and you said he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and you say, look, a glutton and a wine biber and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by the children. In other words, God hid himself in John the Baptist because it says, there was a man sent from God. Son of man came, veiled in flesh. You said, this man, he has a demon. This man, he had what? He is a friend of tax collectors and sinners, a wine biber and a glutton. You had every excuse. Why? Because you were looking at the preacher and not the message. Very important. Sometimes you despise some people. No, I mean, how many subscribers do they have in their YouTube channel? 325, let's say. 325 subscribers. What will they preach? What will he say? I'm telling you some of the most powerful sermons I heard from churches who many people don't know. If I have to even tell those names, you'll say, who? If I, if I have to mention the name, Peter Kyriopoulos. Peter Kyriopoulos. Anybody knows? John Piper. Tim Keller. Etc, etc. You know all these people. What about Peter Kyriopoulos? Nobody, anybody knows? Nobody knows. But I have heard him speak some Incredible truths. I was stunned. And he's a Baptist preacher, by the way. Oh, Baptist. They're all Papist. You're Pentecostal. Some of the Baptists, they will give you a run for your money with their revelations. You'll be stunned. You know why? Because God speaks through a lot of people. He has just not put his eggs in all one basket called Pentecostal church movement. No. God is wise, very wise. So he didn't have just one church. How many churches did he have? Seven churches. <laughs> very, very wise. So even if five are compromised, two fellows will still remain faithful. <laughs> very wise. He diversifies his investments. <laughs> we learn diversity from God. Okay. See, the problem with us. See, she knew herself. She knew her debt. And she, she knew God in the man, Jesus. That is the reason why the entire scriptures talk about Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a word of man, but as it is in truth the word of God, which works effectively in those who believe. Paul, what will he say? Short man, bald man, can't read properly, not very eloquent. Speech is contemptible. Writings are very powerful. Etc, etc, etc. But let me tell you, in hindsight, Demas is wrong. Paul is right. Wisdom is justified by her children. Think about it, no? The epitaph of Demas. He fought. <laughs> no good fight. Everybody's epitaph. No, 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 no. Heavenly epitaph. Demas forsook Paul having loved this present age. We don't know what happened to him later on. 
First thing, therefore. She knew. Therefore, what we have to grow in, therefore, two things. We have to grow in grace. We have to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Two things, very important. Grow in grace. Grow in the knowledge. How do we get knowledge? He has appointed apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. For the equipping of the saints until we all come to the fullness of the fullness of the stature of God in Christ Jesus. That's how he has done. Let me tell you. God's, the son of God's gift, the son of God's gift to the church are the fivefold ministry. If that is not there, you don't have a church. For the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. The foundation is built and laid by the apostles. So, 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 so. Those people who have rule over you, honor them, obey them. Otherwise, it will be unprofitable to you. Let it not be a grief to them. Let it be happiness and joy. So, first thing, she knew God. She knew. Second, she stood. What does standing signify? In Isaiah chapter 66, this is what it says. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made on all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this will I look. On him who is of a poor and a contrite spirit. And what? Who trembles at my word. So what does standing signify? Standing signifies honor. Standing signifies reverence. Standing signifies the fear of God. When Raja is seated, what should the Praja do? Stand. Psalms 2 verse 10. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And how do you do? Rejoice with trembling. Think about it, no? There are two kinds of people in our university. First is your own professor, who's your supervisor, and the director. How do you get into the professor's office? Professor's office, knock the door and say, sir, I mean, you don't even have to ask permission because we have that kind of a wrap and we open the door and we discuss. Director? <sighs> different. Okay. Director is different. He said, we, we, do, we do not, we, I, I think, who's that guy who, uh, who came to our convocation the last time, when we had this convocation, some nonsense is giving. He says, you know what, nowadays, the earth is flat. What is, earth, what is, what is the meaning of earth is flat? Don't have to address anybody as sir. You can address anybody as, with their names. That is not, I mean, think about, no, all this culture that we had. One of my favorite entrepreneurs, whether you like him or not, for me is Narayan Murthy. Okay. Once upon a time, founder of Infosys. When he started the, the IT company, there was a decorum. If you did not have a tie, the security guard would used to just send him back. 
only one day in a week you are allowed to have casual wear and that too casual wear also had very important i mean restrictions and then what happened sikka came who came sikka uh, vishal sikka thank you vishal sikka lot of money okay so naranmuthi tangin cheek you no know, when he was taking over infosys he said i i wonder where you whether you will get a lot of money to the company or you will cost a lot of money to the company So what is Vishal Sikka's idea? Eh. No, what is this old-fashioned way of coming to school? I mean, coming to Infosys. This is not college anymore. And people started dressing any which way. You know what happened to the company after that? Sikka is gone. And now they're wanting to ask him, uh, ask him to come back and hold, hold on to Infosys again. Why the old school? I mean, you should see these people, they had vision. He was a first entrepreneur who started what we call as compassionate capitalism. You know what he used to say? I am a CEO of the company. I deserve to have this much, but you know what I will do? I will become austere. I will not take all the profits to myself, but I am going to share my profits with the company. Even his wife used to travel, economic class. Those were the people who had values. Who had values, my dear brother. Who had reverence. Who had reverence for authority. Unfortunately, we are losing it. You see, that is the reason why church is different. It's a different place altogether. I'm not, I'm not saying that we should have Ativinayam uh, durta lakshanam. You know, Ativinayam means uh, you're, you're trying to please and I'm not saying you should become psychophants. Okay. Not psychophants. I'm talking about honor. That is the reason that the Bible says you should give honor to whom honor is due. Look at what it says. This is, by the way, this is all an expression of love. <laughs> See, there is no genuine love without genuine honor. There is no genuine love without genuine knowledge of the person. Then if there is no honor in a marriage, there is no love. Oh, hus- uh, wives have to honor their husbands. Bible also says that wi- husbands have to give due honor to the wives as a weaker vessel. There is an honor. Honor is there. There is mutual honor. There is mutual giving of honor to one another and respect. Pastor was talking about honor this morning. Do you really give reverence for God in your home? See, when anybody walks into your home, they should sense the presence of God. You know why? Because God is honored in this home. That is the reason why he stays. Not just because it's a pastor's home. (laughs) I'm just talking about my home, by the way. Okay, what if it's a pastor's home? What if he doesn't honor God? What if his family doesn't honor God? Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11 onwards. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There's no honor. What does the Bible say? What does it say? Everybody say, children, honor your father and mother. Everybody say the children, especially children. Honor. You're not very, not full of conviction. Say, honor your father and mother. Say then. It is the first commandment with a promise. What is the first commandment with a promise? What is the promise? That you will live long. In other words, you will not die before your time. 
And if you don't want to die before your time, honor your father and mother. And secondly, they're just, they don't only not, not, there's no honor. And the direct consequence of that, there is a generation that is pure in its own eyes. Why? Because they are a Google generation. Oh, they have knowledge. They have access to technology, which their forefathers did not have. So they think that they're better than the forefathers. Think about it, no? Think about it. Do you think about all kinds of, all these older generation, the kind of knowledge and the kind of, the, the aura that they had. You don't find half of it in, in today's generation. They're pure in their own eyes. And yet they are not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, how lofty are their eyelids. And it goes on to say, there's a generation whose teeth are like swords. So what do they do? If they don't agree with you, they'll cancel you. That's what they'll do. I mean, passport, now passport application, India passport application, gender, 10 years back, male or female. 10 years later, male, female, transgender. It's there, passport application. Trans. Is there honor? In love, there is honor. You want to restore your relationship with God, restore honor in your home. Honor for God. Honor for the principles of God. Honor for relationship that God values and, and authenticates. Psalm 33 verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord and let all the inhabitants of the world, what? Stand in awe of Him. It's a principle. First thing, she knew. Second, she stood. Third, she wept. See, this is logical. (laughs) You look at the honor that you're supposed to give to this man. Look at the creator. Look at what he has done for you. And look at the way you dishonored him. Look at him. Look at your life. What should be the natural response? You know what this is called? That is, if that is trembling at God's word, this is, I will dwell in the high and the holy place with him who has a contrite and a humble spirit. There, I will dwell with the person who trembles at my word. Here, I will dwell with people who mourn at their sin. A lot of people weep. Children weep. Hmm? Okay? In a house, they they weep. They cry. Long time back, I told my daughters. Tears are precious. Very precious. If you are crying... Let there be a genuine reason for your tears. I'm not saying, okay, I, some, something happened, somebody, you fell and naturally tears will come. I'm not talking about that. Root jate na tum log. You sulk and start tearing up. I told my daughters, I said, you know what? Whenever you're crying, let there be a reason. If there is no reason, because you decided already to cry, I will give a reason to cry. Because I don't want your tears to become a waste. You know, a lot of people are moved with tears. 
She was crying. So what? He was weeping. So what? Esau wept. God said, reprobate. Saul wept. Oh, David, my son, you are so righteous. You are more righteous than me. And then he went after him. Tears me nothing. It's all drama. Okay. Especially women, because I mean, I'm very careful, okay? I, I know. I know. Hannah was weeping. You know, question is, Mary Magdalene was weeping. Yesterday we heard about Mary Magdalene. And what did Jesus said? Jesus come to Mary. Mary, don't cry Mary. I'm here. You know what he asked? Woman, why are you weeping? I want to know. I know the difference between Shruti and Apasruti. You know, Shruti means in tune. And Apasruti means out of tune. Sometimes when you when you're doing, when you're trying to sing a song and it's just especially when the children are learning a song from me, you know I'm giving them a key and then they start off in another pitch and I'm making a face like this, like this. I'm trying to pull them to that pitch. And so Jesus comes and says, "Okay, song is there, but why? Look at this. Psalm six verse eight. Everybody see. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has what heard. What?" The voice of my weeping. He just did not hear my weeping. Hagar was crying. <laughs> you know, the Bible is very interesting. I'll never forget that, no? God saw Hagar and he heard the boy's cry. Who was crying? The boy's cry. God heard. Not Hagar's cry. Why are you weeping? I'm telling you, no. We waste tears uselessly. Can your tears, can God can say, testify about your tears? These tears are precious. These are like seed. Those who sow in tears will reap a harvest. Bringing in the sheaves. Or can he say, these tears are so precious, I can hide them in my bottle. Can he say that? About our tears? She wept. Jesus wept. It says he was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And why did he weep? I like that song that we used to sing. God with us, so close to us. No, it says, uh, "One of a hated race, stung by the prejudice, etc." He says, "Wept for my wasted years." I like that. Wept. Why? For my wasted years. Paid for my wickedness. He died in my place. Why did he weep? For you. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. I love this. One of my favorite places. But Peter said, Man, I do not know you. Why are you, what are you saying? Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. I love that. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. I love that. You know what we call that? We call that godly sorrow. You are totally overawed by the kindness of God. Look at what it says. 
Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Not knowing that is the goodness of God that leads you to what? Repentance. Are your tears, tears of, repent, of repentance? How often do you cry for the sins that you have committed? How often do you cry for your misfortune? <laughs> There's a difference. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance. You know these verses very well. Hebrews chapter, sorry. Um, yeah. Hebrews chapter 7. It says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 7 onwards, who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears. This is Jesus. And he was accepted. Why? Because of his godly fear. Vehement cries and tears. Look at what it says in about Nehemiah. When I heard these words that I sat down and wept for my sin and for the sins of my people. So she wept. Second, fourth one. After that, what did she do? She washed his feet with his tears, with her tears. You know what that is? Twofold. While she was washing his feet with her tears. If you look at this entire episode, the eyes are on Jesus only. She is not even looking at the Pharisee. She is not looking at all the people who came to the wedding, uh, to the to the to the feast. He, her eyes were completely fixed on Jesus, and she was looking at the feet of Jesus. Concentration on the feet. She washed. What does weeping mean? Confession and receiving of forgiveness. What does washing mean? John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you sell, you well say, so I am. If then you are, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also have to what? Wash one another's feet. What does that mean? <laughs> First Peter chapter 4. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things have fervent love for one another. For what does do? What does love do? Love covers a multitude of sins. You know what washing signifies now? She was washing the feet of Jesus. What is washing signify? You know what washing signifies? I'm just not only I receive my forgiveness, I also am willing to forgive everybody who has wronged me. I'm not going to raise one finger at anybody. I take completely res- complete responsibility for my sin and I'm willing to forgive everybody who has wronged me. That is washing. So she washed. So, how do you wash? Love will what? Cover. <laughs> Love will cover. Just like the way God covered your sins, what should you do? <laughs> cover other sins. So one of the things that I don't like, no, when you have disputes in Christendom, you don't have to expose it to the entire world. It's a family matter. 
I'm not saying that we should hush hush it and we should and we should not uh, uh, we should not uh, condemn or not, not not condemn. We should not uh, judge the action. No, we're not. I'm not talking about that. See, one of the it's a very important lesson that we have to learn. See, in, in in your life, in your walk with the Lord, one of the things that you need to understand experientially, you will see that in your own life. If you want to receive mercy from God, show mercy. Understand this. Very important principle. And when, to whom should you show mercy? You should show mercy to people who are weak. Because you have the power to affect their lives. Servant doesn't come for a few days to your home. So what do you do? Cut her salary. You know what God will do? He will also cut. I don't know. Number of days, I don't know. That's exactly what happened to Shimei, right? Shimei, I know what you did to my father. Okay? I know what you did to my father. Stay in Jerusalem. What does it mean? Stay in my forgiveness. I am extending mercy. The moment and the day you get out of this umbrella of mercy, gone. You will be responsible for your own life. Three years. Stays. And what happens? After three years, servants run away. If servants run away, what does it mean? See, you should understand this very important principle. Bible says in the in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 15, it says, bond servants will be, they'll be servants in your home. You know what? When a bond servant wants to leave, you know what you should do? Seven years, you should give them a release and you should plentifully bless them because of him, the Lord prospered you. But when he leaves, he says, master, I don't want to leave you. I want to be your servant for life. Then you take his ear and pierce it. In other words, be so kind to your employers, employees, so that they will find it very difficult to leave. Think about it, no? Christians, I'm not talking about <laughs> unbelievers. Oh my goodness, I'm telling you, we have a Kirana shop in our near in our neighborhood. There's one worker that he works in his one is in his in his um, uh, in his dukan, and he is waiting for the day to escape because he tortures him, waiting for the day to escape. And he, whenever he comes to my house, giving his uh, his stuff, and he says, "Kya bolun saab? Kya bolu? Abhi tak paisa na diya saab? Kya bolu saab? Har samay dante rehta saab? Kya bolu saab? Anap shanap galia deta rehta saab?" He keeps on tormenting me. He keeps uses the choicest of language against me. What what am I supposed to do? I want to run away from this fellow. So what exactly how, what happens to Shimei? Three fellows run away. So what does he do? You know what happened? You cut his salary. When he comes back, you know what Solomon says? I cut your life. Because you cut his life. Understand? Principles. This ungrateful nephew of yours, nice happened. Where? What happened to him? He left you and went, he took, took the choices of land. Now, Tagina Shasti. See, God judged me. <laughs> you know what it says? 
Abraham heard that his nephew Lot was taken captive. What did he do? 318 trained soldiers in his, in his own house at his command rescued him. You know, in the process, what he was doing, look at what it says in James chapter 5. Brethren, if any one of you wanders from the truth, oh, my, my brother, he wandered away from the truth, and someone turns him back, you know what he does? Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and what? Cover a multitude of sins. She washed. Next, you know what she does? She wiped. <laughs> I love this hand. How did she use to wipe? Hair. No. Children are very, very conscious about their hair. Papa, don't put oil. See, I'm telling you honestly, I'm, I'm, I mean, we are all Indian, so oil for me is like very important. Okay. Thou anointest my head with oil. I also will anoint your head with coconut oil. Okay. You may like it or you don't like it, but it is good for your hair. Because it is your glory. My daughters have to have the good hair. Because father, no, they should have good hair. That is my aim for my daughters. Apart from all the other aims I have for them. They should have good hair. So I get them the best of shampoo. Siba made. 470 rupees for 275 ml. Doesn't matter. Okay. okay. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Okay. How many washes? Only three washes. Doesn't matter. Some, I, 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 I did my research. I went and asked one Malu. So obviously the Malu's people have a very good hair. No? One Malu teacher of ours. And she said, I asked her, Madam, I just went to this uh, Malayali store, Kerala store, and I found this nice cash oil. Can I use it? She said, Sir, you can use this oil, but the day you f- stop using this oil, all your hair will go. I said, No, 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 no. I'm not using this oil. Okay. Because I'm very conscious. You know what she did? She took her hair. Started wiping. You know what that signifies? She took her glory. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But if a woman has long hair. Ah, everybody? Read it, no? A long hair. Mothers have uh, their own techniques and uh, their own principles. Let us cut because it is very difficult and inconvenient. I'm telling you know when I see my daughters with oil and two plaits, ah, it gives me joy. <laughs> with two plaits and that plait coming, you see, it always reminds me of scripture. The jada, it reminds me of scripture. You know, to put a jada, that that plait, you need how many strands? Three. But how many strands are visible? See the revelation. It is the glory of God to hide a thing. In hair, it is glory. So, you know what God was teaching me? He says, you know what? You only three, you only see two strands, your wife and you. But there is another third strand, which is me, who is holding all of these things together. So, whenever you see Jada, the plat, two plats, Glory. You may have your own principles. I'm not against that, okay? I'm just trying to get you get 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 across a principle. Short hair. <laughs> I'm a little scared. Women should have beautiful hair. Long hair. Okay? So you can take it from your pastor. Okay. I told my wife, can I cut it? I said, no. 
No. Your hair is your glory. And you should know what she did. Took her hair and started cleaning up sweet. What does that mean? It signifies something very important. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory, but there is one who seeks him. So what did I come for? I only came to seek the glory of my Heavenly Father. So what is she signifying? She's saying, from now on, all this time, I was always pointing to my head. My glory, my glory, my glory, my glory. But now I'm taking my glory and laying it down at your feet and saying, from today onwards, as an expression of my love, I want to live for your glory. I want to live for your glory. That I will be hidden and you will be Proclaimed. I will decrease and you will increase. Laying it at your feet. That's exactly what happens to the 24 elders when they see the glory of God seated on the throne. You know what do they do? They take away the crowns and lay it at his feet and say, you and you alone deserve all the glory, all the honor, all the adoration. She wiped. John chapter 7, verse 7, verse 16 and 17 and 18. Jesus answered and said to them, My doctrine is not my own, but it is the one to whom uh, who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek honor and glory that comes from God alone? John 5, verse 24. My glory at your feet. She wiped. She kissed. What is she kissing? Not her cheeks, not his cheeks, Baba. You see, the focus is what? What is the focus of the woman? All at his feet. So you see that everything that she is doing, she is doing to his feet. Now what is she doing? She is kissing the feet. Always I think about it, no? This is always, this is how, this is a picture that I get in my mind. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, you shall bruise his heel or his feet and he shall crush your head. What is bruise? Serpent bite. The bite of the serpent. The bite of the serpent is when you bite the serpent, the poison, right? The poison comes into you. The bite signifies the poison of the serpent, the poison of the devil. When Adam and Eve sinned, the, it, when they heard the voice of, of, of devil, the poison came into the, came into the human race. The entire human race poison. Who took it? Jesus took it. How, how did it happen? When he was pierced. And what she says, what she says, I had the poison of asps in my lips. You took away that poison. Now I'm going to use these lips to honor you and to glorify you and to come under your discipline. Psalm 2. Kiss the son. You know what the word kiss means? The word is very interesting. Embrace the discipline that the son brings into your life. That's what it means. Embrace the discipline. 
see these are not emotional kisses this is what what we have in the world it's an expression of your love this kiss is different embrace you know what happens when you go to the king you know what you do you, those days they used to kneel down take his hand and kiss as a as a signif- as, as signifying that you're coming under the authority and the discipline of the ruler you know what she did? She kissed him. Hebrews chapter 12. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. That you may not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. What is the exhortation? <laughs> Look at this. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Nor be weary when you are reproved of him. For the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves. And chastises every son whom he receives. I come under your discipline. It is for discipline that you have endured. That you have to endure. God is treating your sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline. In which you have participated. Then you are all illegitimate and not sons. KJV uses even more powerful words which are not politically correct. She kissed. Next. The last one. She anointed. What is anointing? What is anointing for? It's for your head. What is she anointing? The feet. What does anointing signify? Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual spiritual worship. So what did she do? She's giving her very best, the alabaster flask of oil. She's giving her very best and says, you know what? You deserve my best. I'm giving my entire life to you. Pouring it out. Not holding anything back. First thing. Surrender. Then... Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, my ways will be directed by the way you walked. Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for us only, but for the sins of the entire world. But the next verse will say, and by this we know we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Therefore, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, Ought to walk the same way that he walked. So what is this? A resolution. That I'm going to walk the way you walked. A surrender completely to the authority of God. And the authority of his word. And the leading of his spirit. Yesterday, pastor was making a very fired up statement. I thought one of the most powerful statements. He says, a spiritual man, you know who is a spiritual man? A spiritual man is a person who has accepted the authority of the word of God in his life. First. Second. Spiritual man is a man who has accepted the authority or the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons 
and daughters of God. Go and do back, go back and do these works. What are these works? Begin to know God more intimately. Continue to know Him in a relationship. Jehoshaphat rose up when? <laughs> Early in the morning, no? Early will I seek you, Lord. Seek Him. We have 84 odd days before we finish this year. The promise still stands. But the basis and the foundation on which this, 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 this promise holds is only on a foundation of relationship, a relationship which is based upon love. Go back. Begin to know him. Search the scriptures. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Let not the, let not the strong man boast in his strength. But let him boast that he knows me. That he knows me. Intimately. Begin to learn to honor God. And come whenever you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit, ask God for genuine tears of repentance. Genuine tears. I don't know when, when, was, when was the last time we really wept because we, we, we heard God. <laughs> when God hurts us, we weep. <laughs> when we hurt God, very different. Very different. She wept. She washed. She not only accepted his forgiveness, but she resolved to cover other people's sins as well. She wiped. She gave and her entire glory. And she said, I'm not going to live for my glory anymore. I'm going to live for your glory and glory and your glory alone. She kissed. She said, you know what? I'm going to come under, under your discipline and want to embrace your discipline in my life. And she anointed. In that, she gave herself completely the best that she had to God. The best. My dear brothers and sisters, young brothers and sisters, not when you become old that you should give your, yourself to God, when you're young. Otherwise you'll be like that one ganne ka ras, no? In a ganna. You, you know that sugarcane juice thing? How many times has he run that sugarcane through that machine? Once. Twice. Thrice. Four times. Five times until he is absolutely sure there is no juice left. Many Christians are like that. You are absolutely sure, oh Lord, let, only little juice is left. And then you say, Lord, take my life. Take my life and let it be consecrate. Hello. Apusruti. No. Now, when you are young, Give yourself to discipline. Come under discipline. It is good for a man to bear his yoke when he is when? When he is what? Young. Even when you are sleeping, you should work hard. Like who? Samuel. I love that, no? Samuel. Samuel. He just got up like that. Can you imagine? Once, we use that word, I was what? Knocked out. In other words, even when an earthquake comes, I will not get up. I will die, but I will not get up. Remember those days, no? My parents knocked and knocked and knocked and knocked and they went to my uncle's house and they stayed the whole night there and they came back the next day morning. Because that Kumbhakaran is sleeping inside. Hmm? 
give your life when you're young. You are not too old. You give your life to God now. You will see the wonders. That's the reason why I think it was in Joshua chapter 3. Sanctify yourself. From from today onwards, what is God God going to do? The Lord is going to do what? Wonders among you. That's exactly what happens to this lady. You gave me no kiss. But this, this woman did not cease to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And look at what he says. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Who's saying this, Baba? God of this universe has given you a certificate. Certificate, not guilty. Take that and run. This morning, just tell me I'll stand up in the presence of the Lord. 83 more days left. And the promise still holds. I will what? Restore. I will give back. I will pay back. I will, I will recompense. I will do everything. But do one thing. Restore your relationship with me. Because that is in your hands. Work on your love. Work on your love. Do not forget that. Absolutely more. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this morning. You've been speaking to us in so many different ways. In different contexts. This morning, we commit ourselves once again to you, to you, O Lord. All of us, we want to resolve this morning, the second Sunday of October. In the light of all that we have heard in all these months, and in the light that, of the promise that you have given to us this year, in the last quarter of this year, we will still finish the work that you have ordained for us this year. And embrace and experience the promise in the fullness that you want us to experience it in, O oh Lord. To that end, I pray that you bless each one of us. That we will resolve to do the works that we did at first. The labor of love. Enable us, Lord Jesus. Burn our hearts with a fresh passion this morning. Grant us grace that we will truly seek you with all of our heart. And your word says, when we seek you, we will find you. Because you said in your word, if any man comes to me, in no way I will cast him out. Therefore we come to you. Because whoever takes refuge in you will not go back condemned. For there is therefore now no no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Father, for this morning that all of us will experience your love, will experience your forgiveness, and we will do the works that we did at first. And we will restore our relationship back to you. Whatever it takes. To that end, I pray that you will bless us. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen. Have wonderful fellowship with one another. And don't forget the seven things. Amen. Keep that in your mind.